for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. Man, it won't go away. On my drive here, this is like a sunny, fairly calm day, and I'm just, I'm just driving here to the Gateway Lounge from Lenox, interstates, mainly on the interstate, and you still, you still see cars in ditches. People are sliding into ditches still, and here I am. 2010 Honda Fit, just cruising right along. Light life is easy. You were 15 minutes late again. <laughs> Let's not get carried away. <laughs> it, it wasn't because of that. It wasn't because of that. Um, yeah, it's uh, – how's life? How you doing? Good. Last week at the Yargus, right? This is it. Yeah, I mean, last week was kind of my last week. I'm still – officially an employee this week but it's basically exit stuff you know turning in my equipment rolling over benefits that kind of stuff house cleaning yeah yeah and then siouxfallslive.com gets rolling for you on on what monday and monday will be my first day what you gonna be doing you know i don't know um yet what what my first byline will be because you know the first few days will probably involve you know some orientation just paperwork and then also you know being given a computer and learning the software, yeah. how do you publish stories oh, and isn't that workflow fun? and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, it's funny. Gannett made us change that stuff so often that it, this won't even necessarily feel like a new job. It's like, oh, we got new software to do? Cool. That happened every two weeks at my old job. Because so. <laughs> they're constantly trying to find a way to do it cheaper and more, you know, like, oh, hey, we fired all the copy editors, so now you have to learn a new way to self-publish your stories. Like, it's not not anything new here. Yeah, if you if you missed it, Matt talked in good, great depth toward the end of our last podcast. We we went overtime last week, well over an hour, about leaving the Argus, deciding to go to SiouxFallsLive.com, what it all entails. But to kind of get started, uh, you're going to be it's generally the same job. You're a sports writer, uh, but you might be covering a little more at large because obviously you've been zero laser focused on the Jackrabbits, but they're the big entity, so I imagine there's still plenty there. But Yote fans, some, you know some Yote fans about this podcast. They'll listen, but they'll complain that, you know, we're not talking to enough mm-hmm. Yotes. That's not your beat. Uh, and by the way, the Jackrabbit sports have mainly, except for a little women's basketball, one year of men's basketball, it's kind of been Jacks, Jacks, Jacks. That's just been the deal here in South Dakota lately. Mm-hmm. Tough lot in life for Yote fans. Uh, are you going to cover a little more Coyotes now because yep. you're, the, yeah. you're the sports guy there? Yeah. I, uh, you know, especially now for basketball season, we'll see. Obviously, SDSU's women appear to be the class of the Summer League by far, which we expected. But on the men's side, that conference is wide open. You know, so there might be nights where, depending on who the big game is, you know, I might make a trip down to Vermilion, see what's going on down there, keeping tabs on both of them. Um, you know, Augustana and USF are still part of the picture. You know, USF's men are having a really good season. You know, Dave Krauth is in his last year for Augustana. That's a story worth yeah, following. Absolutely. I still, at some point, hope to do a story on that. You know, and, and then high school sports, too. That's going to be a part of it. We all know um, how the high school scene, specifically in Sioux Falls, but in, in the, the statewide, has has grown and, you know, spread. And, and, and you, know, you just look at Lincoln Keenholz and, and some of the stuff around the state, JT Rock, um, the impact 
that South Dakota high school sports has on the national level that it didn't used to. How many guys are in the NFL right now that played high school football in South Dakota? So that'll be part of it. Like I said last week, you know, the, the hope is that this grows into something where I won't be the only sports guy at some point, that there will be other people and we can spread it around. But, you know, um, as I mentioned on Saturday after the Jacks, women and men both routed USD in a basketball rivalry. I mean, like, it's a good time to be a Jackrabbit fan right now. And uh, they've been, whether it's Argus Leader, you know, some of the other newspapers around town, certainly the TV stations here in town, they're our best customers. And uh, we want to keep them happy. Yeah, and you've got analytics these days to keep track of that. You, it's not you, even close. You, I mean, you know it. it it's it, not even close. Back in the old days, you probably couldn't gauge it. And, and those were the good old days because uh, since you've made your announcement, you, I've read the comments, you've heard the things, and I've had conversations with other people uh, in, our, in our world here, both readers and other sports media guys alike. Of course, it's not the way it used to be. It, it was a better day and age when the Argus had a – USD guy, an SDSU guy, a high school guy, or two, and uh, and then a USF slash Augie person, and that was great. They all got coverage, uh, but back in those days when it was more of print heavy, you weren't necessarily making your bucks on online subscriptions. Mm-hmm. There wasn't really a way to gauge who's reading the most here mm-hmm. and what you should cover the most. It was just kind of uh, mm-hmm. it was a socialistic world a little bit, right? Day to day, you could decide what's going to be the big mm-hmm. headline and what's the big game. Uh, but yeah, now it's kind of now you know where the bread is buttered because you've seen it. However, in your new role at SiouxFallsLive.com, you'll cover a little bit more of everything. But I guess that's the the fun part for you is you, you're generally going to cover the biggest thing of this day. I will, this week and, and, and it that. is it has been good to to be able to to get feedback from your readers. You know, here's what we care about. Here's what we want to know about. The only thing I don't like about that is one nice thing about a newspaper, and I specifically mean a printed newspaper, not the online version of it is that was a time where people would say, I'm going to subscribe to this newspaper, and you as journalists are going to tell us sort of, here's what's important, here's what's worth knowing. And that doesn't always work, so to speak. Sometimes it's like, why are we letting these people tell? You Who's know? pulling the strings? Exactly. I can remember being, I, I made this comment all the time, and I'll make it again today because it still holds water. I can remember as a kid in high school or college reading the Argus Leader during the Howard Wood Relays. And opening the sports page and going, I'm not reading this shit. No one cares about high school track and chucking it in the in the garbage. Not trying to insult track athletes, but three pages of track coverage from a track meet just always seemed ridiculous to me. But that's kind of like, hey, this is the big event that's going Everybody's on. Everybody's in town. Do. Everybody's picking up a paper. Right. Yeah, they want to now read about the numbers themselves. And, and all, but a, a better example is, say, you know, no one cares about maybe, say, high school tennis or bowling, or fishing, or amateur baseball, Little League baseball, all those sorts of things that you wouldn't ever normally give thought to. Well, then someone does something amazing in that sport, in that event, that was where a newspaper could say, hey, you might not care about this, but here's why you should care about it, and put it in the printed newspaper, and people would read it. So what's happened, like, metrics have shown us that nobody in this town really gives cares that much about how, say, the minor league teams do when it comes to wins and losses. They go to the games, but they're not mm-hmm. that invested. We, when we write sports stories, here's how the Stampede's doing, here's how the Canaries are doing, the numbers aren't as good. And it wasn't like that before because we could kind of, hey, here's a printed newspaper, here's what you need to know. Yeah. And so this people in this community might not have cared about the Canaries or the Stampede or the Sky Force, but they kind of knew... Yeah, what was happening with them just because it was in the paper all the time. Well, it might make them care more it, it, just because it was right. there. Right. Because you open up the paper, you open it was the there. paper and there it is. Yeah. Well, now we're letting the audience tell us what to cover. Yeah. And there's 
certainly there's a good side to that. Yes. We, we know, okay, this is what people care about. This well, is, you know. Trying to make a buck, too. If we don't have these jobs, exactly. you don't have these. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. it gets to a little bit, it's like, okay, the Stampede have won 14 games in a row. Shouldn't we, you know, go right about that? Have well, they really? No, no. I'm just, <laughs> you see, I'm just using that as a hypothetical. Sorry, Jimmy. Yeah, let, let's say, I'm saying, like, let's say it's, yeah. you know, November, and SDSU and USD's football teams are, are both in the playoff hunt. That's what obviously are going to get all the attention. Another beer? Yeah. Okay. Let, let's say it's November, and the USD and SDSU football teams are both having a good year. And Augie and USF, all four of the football teams, you know, are in the playoff hunt. And then, like I said, the Stampede go on a 10-game winning streak. You know, it would be nice if, like, hey, you know, the Stampede are having a great year. We should tell people about that. If we, in the old days, we could do that. Now, we can still do that, yeah. but nobody's going to read it. Right. nobody's going to read it. No, and that's People want to know about what's going on with SDSU, who's high school football, that kind of stuff. I'm not saying we never cover those other things, whether it's high school tennis, the Dakota relays that I just shit on a second ago and probably shouldn't have, uh, the minor league teams, whatever it is. It's not that we just say that stuff doesn't matter anymore, but the numbers have consistently shown us that people do not read that. Yeah. And like you said, this is a business. This is not... I've said this on this podcast before. People seem to somehow have this idea that the newspaper is like beholden to Title IX or something, that there's sort of these rules that, well, if you wrote about this school, you have to write the same. No, we don't. Right. We absolutely do not. Yeah. You know, we, we go where the audience is. And the numbers have shown us what the audience is, where the audience is. And it's South Dakota State. It's high school football. It's high school basketball, and then some other things here and there. Well, what I have appreciated about what you've done at the Argus Leader recently is the staff continues to slim, and you've carried more of the weight along with Hank and then uh, McCleary. <coughs> Excuse me. Still got a cold. Is you do occasionally. You, you, you were keeping track enough to be like uh, to occasionally write something, oh, hey, by the way, mm -hmm. Stampede are on a roll, mm -hmm. or, oh, the Canaries are doing these cool things here at the ballpark and, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. you know, give it a sample and, or just generally uh, Canaries are halfway through their season. Here's how it's going. Mm -hmm, here's, here's mm -hmm. generally how well they're playing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I'm going to, so I'm guessing that's kind of the same approach you'll take to Sioux Falls live.com. So mm -hmm. there will be a little bit of everything and just the most important things of the things people don't necessarily care as much about. Plus uh, we look for this on the, in the TV world as well. And certainly I did when, uh, three hours a day of local content on the radio. What's a good human interest story? What's a good feature story? Mm -hmm. who's, a, who's a good story worth telling? It might be in a sport or it might be with an entity that you don't care about, because, but because it's so, such a compelling, you know, whether, whether it's a sappy story, a health-related coming back from injury story, sure. sickness, illness, uh, Dave Krauth uh, coaching his last season. I mean, that, that's a great story. That is where, yes, the, those of us can set the, in the media can set the tone and hopefully people will enjoy it even though it might not be something that's at the front of their mind mm -hmm. that they would normally care about. you got to have a good sense of, uh, of what people, you could make people care yes. about. Well, and, you know, to be darker. Um, oh, please. The, I think the most read story I did this year was when John Anderson got fired, you know, and you know, USF football generally does not outdraw, so to speak, when it comes to the metrics, SDSU or, or USD or, or that, but that was a big deal. You know, the Cougars had had a good season. No one saw it coming, and I broke the story. I had a scoop, you know. And, I, you know, I use that as an example in, in, in our newsroom, like, well, how much should we cover, say, USF or Augustana or the Canaries, you know, some of these other things that kind of get pushed to the back burn, and that was, that was a good example of, you know, if you have a story – and I, you know, hate to make it about John getting fired because, as I said, that 
you know, was a difficult situation both personally and for him. But, you know, people still care about yeah. things like that. You know, it's there's yeah. always stories to find. Um, but there's still, you know, and, and the, where it gets tough for me is if, say, you know, I've done a couple stories over the years on SDSU that after I got done with them, I was like, did I really need to do this story? It just wasn't that compelling. You know, maybe a feature on a player who wasn't that good or didn't have that interesting of a story. Or maybe I drove to Brookings on a Thursday night to cover a game against Western Illinois where I knew they were going to win by 60 points, and they did. And I was like, did I really have to go, you know, drive 100 miles and and spend six hours of work covering this basketball game that everyone knew what was going to happen when maybe I could have, you know, gone to Roosevelt and covered a Riders-Lincoln game or, you know, covered a Stampede game or something like that. And the answer is, well, yeah, you still should have done that because that's where the readers are. Sadly, you know, more people still read that story on SDSU beats Western Illinois by 58 than would have read a great yeah. story about, oh, Stampede winning double overtime or, you know, Lincoln beats Roosevelt or whatever it is, you know. So that's where it gets really tough, where you recognize that, hey, maybe this story over here is actually better, more interesting but it's just not going to draw as many eyeballs. Huh. And by the way, it goes back to it goes back to this podcast and what we decide to talk about every week for our podcast. Sometimes, I mean, sometimes we flip on the mic and just roll. We've kind of done that now. We weren't planning on having this kind of diatribe here. Uh, we we're going to talk a little bit about the Jacks and the Yotes, but those were both such lopsided games over I don't the think weekend. We need to. Yeah, it's like, gosh, come on, USD, give us something to talk about. <coughs> And uh, we will talk the Vikings because that that is a, that was a compelling team this year, but <coughs> when You're we right? I, well I've just had a had this viral infection for about three weeks and I thought you were choking on your food. Uh, no, <laughs> no. I I mean I'm trying to eat while I'm coughing, so that can be a challenge. But uh, no, I've got the uh, chicken wrap with chili, sweet chili sauce on it here at the Gateway, made just for me, and I love it. Um, no one cares what you're eating, but I will say it looks really good. Well, I'm just, uh, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> we, we, we are here at the Gateway. We appreciate our partnership, so we do like to remind people that the food is awesome. That's and uh, <laughs> I wasn't telling you not to do the little advertisement. I'm just yeah. telling you no one cares I, what you're eating. Yeah, well, <laughs> I'll just tell people that probably are used to their burgers here are the thing, and their pizza is surprisingly great. The fries uh, are really good. Uh, the fries are awesome. The chi- you, you often do the chislick. Um, I say pizza is surprisingly great because it's not a pizza establishment, but they make Bar good pizza. Bar always good. Yeah. And... Uh, and their wings are awesome, but probably you know probably you don't you overlook the wraps. I'm telling you, the wrap is good, and that's partly because they're giving me the uh, sweet chili sauce that they would normally put on wings. They'll do that for you here, not just me, but for anybody. So it's awesome. Uh, it was fun last night. Gilbert and I were here for the Cowboys Bucks game, mm. and uh, you know, okay, it's not packed and crazy and electric as it is on most game days here at the Gateway, especially if the Chiefs or Vikings are playing. But you know, the place was maybe about half full, but still. Just like my husband, there's obnoxious cowboy fans everywhere, and then there's the rest of the people in the bar who fucking hate the cowboys, and there's always that loudmouth who's had just a couple too many. In this case, didn't ruin the evening. Where, yeah, it was, uh, it was a, but, but it's usually more fun when the cowboys lose, obviously, right. to shut that guy up. Right. But um, it was, it was still, a, yeah, I don't know. That was a, for some reason that was a fun game to watch. Uh, I mean, cowboys looked really good. They did. The Bucks looked terrible. Yeah, I don't know if Tom Brady's washed, but he is clearly declining. Well, I think he's also headed out of Tampa Bay. I don't know if you saw the. I did. Yeah. Um, but I just, you know, the interception that he threw, a couple of the missed throws, 
Like, he still moves around okay for a guy who's 46 or whatever. Yes. He just is missing throws that he didn't miss, used to miss. Mm. And I, that's probably to be expected when you're damn near 50 years old. You know. Well, uh, Steve Young, for what it's worth, uh, has been at this point in his career. He was 40 when he retired. Uh, he talked about this afterward on SVP's show that, uh, according to him, watching warm-ups, you know, watching Brady up close, you know, he has a field-level view, and he obviously he's a Hall of Fame quarterback. Steve Young, he says Brady can still make all the throws. He's still really good. It's the it's that's not that really isn't a problem. It's the mental and emotional part of it, uh, the grind and all that. Of course, we all know Tom Brady wanted to he's stay. He's on a team with no running game whatsoever, well, so they got to pass on every down. And what he's ideal. And what he said after the game, he thanked the Tampa media. I saw it. Yeah. And it, it felt like it didn't feel like a I'm quitting football. It felt like I'm done in Tampa yeah. sort of thing. The two places I've heard that would make sense. L.A. or not L.A. Las Vegas, where he'd hook up with Josh Daniels again. Plus, you've got good running back, good tight end, good downfield receiver, uh, or Miami, where you know the division. Also, some good receivers there. And um, I heard San Fran. Well, yeah, go back home. I mean, are you gonna? But geez, um, if you're the 49ers, are you gonna? Are you all in on Brock Purdy after a couple good games? Probably not. Uh, I, I I think back to Nick Foles. I thought after after yeah. the Nick Foles run, what right. he did to the Vikings, and right. then what he did in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. Uh, you know, I was all in. Like, go get Nick Foles because that was uh, that was the same year of Case Keenum, and that was the same offseason where the Vikings got Kirk Cousins. And I was, uh, oh, come on, go with the flavor of the month. What else do you need? You need a clutch quarterback. Mm-hmm. Here, you you just saw it. And uh, that fizzled out, mostly because he got injured a lot. But, yeah, Brock Pur- that's – yeah, the Niners are in an interesting mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's just get to the Vikings since we're on, we're on short time. Um, uh, obviously, the A topic is the, the defense. You need to fire Donatel. Uh, it's, it's amazing how slow and old guys get so quickly because Harrison Smith and Eric Kendricks have been elite. But in general – this defense is older. It is slow. Ed Donatel didn't have it in the right scheme. Start there. We can we can blabber about Cousins, and I'm sure we will if he'll ever be clutch enough. But offense is loaded. Future is bright. Defense needs a new leader and some new blood. I was shocked at how bad the defense was, and I knew it was bad. You know that what's that's that meme on the internet? Like our expectations were low, but Jesus, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of how it was. Those first three drives, and I guess they did manage to force a field goal on the third one. But at one point, they were averaging 16 yards per play. I mean, I'm watching this thinking, and I was watching it at a buddy's house with a bunch of Vikings fans. You know, we're all eight people gathered on a TV. Thanks for the invite. Sorry. (laughs) I was all uh, alone. um, And all I'm thinking is, how much worse would the freaking O'Gorman Knights defense be than this? Like seriously, it was Ole. They're just running wide open down the field. They're you know seventeen yards per play. I mean, isn't I think seventeen, eighteen, or something like that is what they consider an explosive play? They're averaging that. I mean, it was just the lack of resistance was just stunning. Uh, the, 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 and just because I, I just want to sneak in a stat because I saw it, the Giants were the worst team in the NFL. When it came to average number of 20 big plays, 20 yards mm-hmm. or more per game, two and a half a game. They had three in the first quarter. Yeah. Like I said, they were <laughs> – I mean – I mean, holy shit. In Minneapolis. I, I – you know, uh, Jen's brother-in-law is a Giants fan, and uh, he's like, yeah, Daniel Jones is not good just because the Vikings made him look good. Yeah. 
Like, I mean, he. I'm not saying he's terrible. He, you know, still young, showing some promise. He can obviously run. Can, yep. Um, but, you know, they made him. It, that literally watching that first quarter and a half is like, who is this, Michael Vick? You know, I mean, just he's either picking him apart downfield or running wild. And most of their stops, like, you know, a couple of the times that they did fail, it's because Daniel Jones missed a guy. Like, he missed some throws because he's not that good. I just, you know, and yes, I think Ed Donatel sucks. And yes, I think they need to get rid of him. But also, like, I, I just don't understand how how a group of NFL players can be that bad. And that's part of why I don't think, again, a lot of guys are getting old, you know, injuries depleted, the secondary. There, there's obviously a ton of problems personnel-wise for that defense. But part of the reason Ed Donatel has to go, and I don't think – you can. There are any list of excuses that that forgive Ed Donatel is. You, those are still NFL players. I don't care if you're the worst team in the NFL. These are professional football players. And you've got Daniel Hunter. You've got Zadarius Smith. You've got Eric Kendricks. You've got Harrison Smith. I know a lot of their, as you just said a second ago, their better players are not the elite talents they used to be. But to just not even be able to, you know, these, they're not even in the screen when right. the camera pans to cover the receiver. It's like. What is going on? Well, and, they and were, I'm not just to finish that thought. Yeah, no problem. I'm certainly not a, an X's and O's expert. I'm, I, you know, that kind of thing. But the second they say, "Oh, we're going to do a three-four defense," when they kind of, I was like, "Why? Yeah. Why are you going to do that?" Mm-hmm. Then you're watching the game, and all we saw it all year. But then just watching it yesterday or Sunday, like Daniel Hunter dropping into coverage—that's that's your yeah. plan. That's what you want to do. I mean, I've said on this podcast many, many times, I hate the three-four defense. I I don't really like it in college. I especially hate it in the NFL. Uh, it was, you know, to me what a good coach does is looks at his personnel and says, all right, here's what we got. What can we do with it? Ed Donatel, as far as I can tell, said, well, I'm a 3-4 guy, and I'm going to make this defense be a 3-4, whether it's you know, fits their, their skill set or not. Yeah. And when you realize, especially during the game, like also make adjustments during the game. Like you're getting blown off the ball. Your receivers can't cover anybody. Try fucking blitzing, dude. Yeah. yeah. They, and that if you have a bad de- an overmatched defense you should just blitz, blitz the shit out of the other team hope you can cr- cause some havoc yep. get some turnover you're, obviously you're going to give up big plays if you're blitzing yeah. all the time but, but you're make giving the, up big plays anyway make the quarterback uncomfortable yeah. you don't have to get a sack it every was, time i mean again i'm not trying to say i'm smarter than ed donatel but it was just no. it was really hard to watch it was so bad and he was so bad not just ga- this game but all year long that's one case where you could say most of us have a pretty simplistic idea of what could work better, and he never budged. And and so I mean, he should be fired. I'd be surprised if he isn't. I will. Uh, so let's Ford just, just and old. and they've got a lean defense in the draft a little bit for the reasons I just gave. <laughs> yeah, but um, you have COVID, I think. I'm no, 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 no. I tested negative. I've got a viral infection. That doesn't mean anything. I'd, oh, come on. And I went to a doctor. I actually brought my uh, – they gave me an inhaler. I might have to use it mid-podcast yeah, here. Yeah, you sound like you're dying. Thank you. Um, so the head coach who ultimately had a sparkling first year. I mean, it makes – he. It, 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 we feel like this was the right hire. He has tilted this not just uh, having offense be the rightful identity of this team because obviously Mike Zimmer is a defensive guy, wanted defense to be the identity. And for his first four or five years, it was and it worked. His best teams it was. Yeah, yeah. his defense and his running game. And when that defense was locked and loaded with its best players and then, and then the Vikings being willing to re-sign them at high prices – Harry, I mean, go down the line. Harry Smith, Xavier Rhodes, um, the uh, Everett, Everett um, Griffin, 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 Hendricks, Barr. It was great. 
Uh, that window closed, and you can't just have defense in a running game because uh, AP left, Dalvin Cook, uh, short shelf life, and come on. And so they, they hire, first of all, kudos to the owner for hiring the right GM, hiring the right coach, uh, because the offense is uh, terrific, and they're so fun to watch, and there's so many weapons, and the sky is the limit. Uh, and, and Kevin O'Connell's the head of the offense, and he calls the plays. So, I mean, overall, that's an A-minus to B-plus first year as a head coach. All the problems are on defense. However, you are the head coach. Right. At some point, step in and maybe give Ed Donatello a little direction and put your foot down a little bit. Uh, mid-season, mid-game, maybe that happened a time or two, but it sure as hell didn't look like it on the field. And another thing, he's young, and again, uh, mostly rave reviews. But And the other coach on the – the uh, on that game was a rookie head coach too so it was his first mm -hmm. game as a head coach in the playoffs as well uh kevin seifert longtime vikings reporter said kevin o'connell before this game on the field warm-ups body language wise a lot more uptight than he usually is understandably this is the playoffs um maybe he knew it was coming uh but he certainly coached like it as well um and you, you look back at that flea flicker attempt cousins mm -hmm. to jefferson to cousins early on and we'll, we'll get to the play that ended it all with Cousins throwing short of the sticks, uh, old Kirk rearing his ugly head. But it, it wasn't the head coach's best day. Hopefully he'll learn from that as well. Yeah, you are the head coach. Step in a little bit when it comes to the defense and tell Ed to blitz more or something. Yeah. I think he actually did that. I'm sorry to interrupt. I think it was reported one of these last games that they played uh, at home. It might have been the Giants game uh, second half because that was Christmas Eve and they went on the road. I, I believe the sideline reporter for TV for that game said that uh, Kevin O'Connell wants to see more blitzing, and then they did in the second half. Mm -hmm. It did not appear he really stepped in in this case. It seemed a little bit like, and I'm, I'm wildly speculating here, but it seemed a little bit like Kevin O'Connell was almost treating Ed Donatel this year the same way a young manager in baseball treats his bench coach. Like, he's not just there. Like, like Ed Donatel was almost there to be like, hey, you need an old guy just to help you because you're a young rookie coach. And that's fine. I think on some level that made sense as the higher on defensive coordinator. Kevin O'Connell's a young guy. He's the offense guy. Maybe bring in a D coordinator who's older, who's been around. Sean McVay, Rams, Wade Phillips. Sa same thing. Super Bowl in yeah. year one or two. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if over the course of the season that ended up working against him because it makes me wonder if, if O'Connell just was a little bit gun shy of telling him like, hey, I don't like the way you're doing it. Um, yeah, because I I personally think it's been fairly apparent since I don't know the Cowboys game maybe that Ed Donatel was not going to be back next year. O'Connell has, in a subtle way, but he has done, he hasn't exactly shied away from criticizing the defense in the media this year. He never came out and said, "Yeah, we're going to make a change" or anything like that. And I also he was put in a little bit of a tough spot. It's hard to fire your coordinator when you're in first place and you know, they clinched the division like week thirteen or something. I mean. I think he was in a little bit of a no-win situation where it's like, damn it, I'd kind of like to make a change, but we're winning. That would be a bad look. You know, players might not like it, whatever. Um, I just felt like all year it was kind of like, okay, O'Connell's just, I don't want to say doesn't have the guts to, to step in or whatever, but I can understand why he was hesitant to do that. He's an offense guy. He's 35 years old, whatever it is. You know, Ed Donatel's been around forever, been the D coordinator. Okay, fine. Um, but it's pretty obvious a change is going to be made. Um, and, you know, I don't think in hindsight, like, I'm like, oh, if, if they'd have just fired Donatel in week 14 and brought someone else in, they'd still be playing. I mean, maybe they would have won Sunday, but they're probably still, I mean, they're not going to go to the Super Bowl. We've all known this year that the Vikings have been, you know, living on borrowed time, playing with house money, whatever you want to say. 
13 and 4 when they didn't they get I think they actually had a negative point differential they did. for the season. They did. Now they had a That's amazing. They had a wild the crazy thing about it is. Well, they get, they get they basically get blown out. They get hammered in 3 of their 4 losses yeah. to equal or better teams and then the Lions I think beat them by 10. That was a pretty definitive like Lions deserved that win, uh -huh. and then of course all their wins were unconvincing. So they were clutch, but they were unconvincing, yeah. and you know some of them against weaker teams. Uh, but it's, it is amazing they did. That Fox did show one stat about point differential when it came to the like first three quarters. Vikings, uh, my God, first three quarters uh, of NFL games this year, the Vikings were minus 87 in point differential, Jesus. third worst in the NFL. Believe it or not, two teams were worse. Uh, they were absolute number one in the NFL at uh, point differential in the fourth quarter, plus 84. Yeah. Uh, so that whatever, whatever you want to call it, they got their act together and they were clutched several times. Uh, you know, but not nor but uh, NFL's very parity-stricken, so a lot of teams you're playing aren't that much better or worse than you, so I don't love to get right. into, oh, they didn't beat anybody good. Uh, they clearly have it. They clearly have an awesome offense, and they clearly proved what they're capable of in Buffalo. You look back to that game, yep. that was about midseason, you go on the road, you beat one of the four or five Super Bowl contenders that are truly out there, down by, what, 20, 17, 21 points in the fourth quarter? And uh, th that's where we can rope in Kirk Cousins and and go, what the fuck? You know, um, his numbers were good on Sunday, 30th, 39, almost 250, 300 yards, no interceptions, two TDs. But it's he had, he's, he's had a few nice comebacks, and he had a bunch this year, regular season and otherwise. He's had one... He's had one real clutch big game performance. New Orleans, two big throws in a wild card game three years ago. You, I, he, Garrett Bradbury was back. Um, he didn't. He doesn't have the best offensive line. You have to overcome a bad defense. But at some point, you gotta you gotta elevate and rise above. This loss spared the Vikings going and getting destroyed by the Niners, and that would have had very little to do with Kirk Cousins. But I do think he took a step back, and you know. But what do you do? You're not going to get anybody better. Right. He got you there. He's pretty good. It's just kind of you're just kind of stuck. And he's coming back next year. I mean, yeah. uh, pretty sure he's coming back. He's got a no-trade clause. So if you're looking down the road at a quarterback beyond Kirk Cousins, it's at least another year down the road. I don't know. Or, or do, you, do you put as much? Because, boy, was there a lot put on that fourth and eight play. And that's really stupid. Okay. It was a stupid. Go. It was a bad throw. It was a disappointing play. He deserves the criticism for that play. But the fact that the narrative went from this is the worst defense I've ever seen to, oh, you know, Kirk choked again, uh, that's ridiculous. Um, well, how about both? There's a little can, bit of both. That's what I'm you can absolutely criticize okay. both, but it feels like too much of the narrative switched over to Kirk Cousins is not the problem with this team. He just isn't. I'm not saying he's the solution necessarily, but that defense was so bad for the whole game. Uh, whether coordinator to the personnel on down, there's so many problems there. I thought Kirk Cousins had his best season as a Viking this year. No doubt. It wasn't that much better than the other ones. They've all been kind of similar, like pretty good, above average, great statistics, never looks as good as the numbers do. Uh, I would take issue with your the Saints playoff win was the only clutch performance of his Vikings tenure. There have been a lot of them, just not all of them have been in big games. I, I, I mentioned and here that. Was a moment, but to, here's part of why I take – like. The play right before the fourth down play, third down, he hits K.J. Osborne right in the numbers, and he fucking drops it. Yeah. That fourth down play doesn't happen if K.J. Osborne just catches the Fair. damn ball. Fair. And now we're sitting here going, oh, well, see, Kirk can't win the big one. Like, well, what if K.J. Osborne had caught that ball? Well, Kirk that doesn't change anything about Kirk Cousins. He's the same player either way. 
and I think he's always kind of been that player. Now, you know, uh, Kurt Warner, I think, and a few other people actually broke down that play and were like, he was going to get sacked. He didn't, have, you know, he really didn't have much of a choice, and that that's fair too. I mean, I. I, I've been a quarterback before, and I hate to invoke that because I played, you know, JV football. But um, I do know that sometimes when you're under pressure, you, you make a throw knowing it's not to the sticks, but you're kind of thinking, like, maybe the defender falls down. This is the best you chance know, I have. Maybe he tips it up in the air and catches it. Maybe he breaks a tackle. Maybe something funny happens. It's not like Kirk Cousins didn't know that he was throwing it short of the sticks. He oh, knew that. He did. Um, and his defense was basically that. He's like, hey, I was about to get sacked. I was hoping the guy could make a play. It didn't work out. And he said it's not the end of the world doing that. And that's the problem with him. That, well, that's the old problem with him that reared its ugly head is the whole it's not the end of the world if I do something safe thing uh -huh. where um, – you could. You have Justin Jefferson. It's worked in the past where you just throw up a ball to Justin Jefferson and he and he gets it. That might be your better chance than seeing how many yards after the catch, four five yards short of the sticks that uh, T.J. Hawkinson can give you. But there's also there's a legion of Kirk uh, apologists out there. I saw some of their tweets and there's still video of how he had no, uh, very little time to make a decision. That's mm -hmm. the only thing he could see. So what? And again, if K.J. Osborne catches the ball yeah. on the previous play, that play doesn't even happen. Uh, just no one's talking about. I'm granted. K. Jazz does make $33 million a year, so that's yeah. part of it. But still, I, the, the, you, you're, you said it. He's not going anywhere. Yeah. Even if, you, even if there was some way to cut him, replace him, you know, find somebody else, whatever. Uh, more beer? No? no We're no. good. Thank you, Susie. Um, there's nobody really out there. Um, yeah. You know, the, the, the Vikings are entering a tough offseason because it's like, okay, can you blow up the defense and keep the offense good and still compete? At the same time, you know, it feels a little bit like it's maybe it's time to blow it up and start over. But, you know, when you got a $30 million quarterback and the best receiver in football, oh, do no. you want to do that? No. You, I mean, you I, still are what your record is. They were 13-4. and four. I know, but I'm not as gung-ho on the offense as other people are. You know, Adam Thielen's washed up. I don't think Dalvin Cook is very good anymore. They don't use him that much anyway. Uh, the offensive line's okay. TJ Hawkinson's way overrated. Uh, I, I just don't think they – I think it's Justin Jefferson is an MVP candidate. Kirk Cousins is a above-average quarterback, solidly above-average quarterback. He's not an elite quarterback. That's – you know, your, your defense sucks. Your defense is shit. And your offense has a good quarterback and a great receiver. And to my mind, not much else. The only problem with having the offense the Vikings has and the defense the Vikings has – and, again, they were 13-4. and four. They overcame a shitty defense over and over again with an offense that can throw the ball down the field in a heartbeat – is you don't have, they didn't have, no longer do, like with the Zimmer days when Dalvin Cook was young, a, a capable ground and pound game to possess the ball for long periods of time, other than that first drive. O'Connell looks like the, a genius on every, they almost always get this eight play, yeah. 80 yard drive to start games, and then it tapers off. Um, and here's an interesting uh, conspiracy theory that I heard when it comes to Alexander Madison. We know Dalvin Cook is probably cooked. Yeah. Uh, but you, you, I think you've – have they paid him his second contract? I think I they know. have. Uh, but anyway, there's a conspiracy theory that, you, that Alexander Madison is every bit – not every bit the player Cook is. He's not. Mm -hmm. But he's of the same mold. He's a big guy. He averaged less than four yards a carry. He's a sledgehammer. He can be a sledgehammer, and he's probably better in those situations. Uh, he's probably better in the screen game. Cook drops a lot of passes. Yes, he and does. that the Vikings – are potentially were hiding Madison a little bit. It's hard to say that when you have to play. You have to play and use Dalvin Cook with what you're paying him if he's healthy. 
But uh, to a degree, maybe they underutilized Alexander Madison. On so, uh, so other teams wouldn't uh, want to get a sniff of him. And, and, uh, and th- therefore, you, he wouldn't have leverage. You won't have to pay him more. And uh, now you can stick with him. He can him be and, RB1 and, next and year. And build him. Yeah, we'll see. I, I just get, let me tell uh, uh, we'll go back to Kirk. Maybe this is the best classification I've heard of Kirk Cousins. Maybe you'll agree or not. Still, quick passage. This is from SB Nation. At the center of all this is Kirkland Cousins, which I've decided is now his name because he's a Costco brand franchise quarterback. I know that sounds like slander, but it's really not. I have great admiration for Costco items. They are absolutely functional facsimiles of high-end products. They will get the basic job done for you, but nobody is going to be spreading the word about the Kirkland charcuterie platter. Did they say that right? Charcuterie? Charcuterie. Charcuterie. Uh, that you bought that uh, that you brought to the box social cousins will forever be exactly the guy he is right now every season he's going to throw for 400 4000 yards he's going to make the pro bowl he's going to continually do just enough to make you think he has the talent to win a super bowl he won't it's not in his dna as a player there's just something eternally missing from cousins game that the truly great ones the ring winning lombardi hoisting quarterbacks possess which he lacks Cousins is the Scotty Pippen of NFL quarterbacks. He's never going to be the guy you need when the pressure is on, when a critical game is on the line, but he'll get you at close to the dance as if that's a consolation prize. I mean, that isn't way off base, but it's also just your typical spicy hot take. I mean, all that, I is, all that is. is all that is true until it's not true. That's true. You know, it's I not, mean, Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Did he have it in his DNA? And I know he, he, had, he had the greatest defense of all time you. on his team. But okay. but there's other ones. You know, I mean, there's there have been some. Not every Super Bowl winning team had some amazing dude as their quarterback. Most of them do. Most of them have, I mean, go back. Most of them have Hall of Famers. Do you think Matthew Stafford is that much better than Kirk Cousins? He won the Super Bowl uh, just last year. That's fair. That's a I fair don't. point. I don't. Maybe things are tilting. I like Matt Stafford. For about I a 20, 25-year stretch, you needed a Hall of Fame – literally a Hall of Fame quarterback won the Super Bowl almost every year except for like what the Dilfer year. What 25-year stretch are you talking about? Oh, from like the mid-90s until, mm. until a few years ago. You go, mean, go, go down the line and look at the quarterbacks of the teams that won the Super Bowl. Ben Roethlisberger but, became one, but, but his first one, yeah, he was a rookie game he sucked. manager. He sucked. They you had know? a great defense. They had a, yeah, abnormally. You have to have. A, you have to at least have an abnormally great defense if you don't well, have. Well, I think we're in agreement. Quarterback. I'm just can right. Kirk Cousins win a Super Bowl by himself? No, yeah, no, I'm not right. saying that. Yeah, but this oh, he doesn't have it in his DNA. Well, give him the Ravens' defense, and he does. You know? And that, I realize the Vikings aren't in yeah. position to do that. But I thought, uh, like, I, I'm with you. Like, it, the narratives change, but Kirk Cousins has to do it. To me, he's really only done it once. That was in New Orleans. We gave, and I remember that when I had to go on the radio on a Monday and say, "He's clutch now. He just did it. He showed you." But that's my point, John. Yeah. I, that's a bullshit narrative to me. That this is some sort of chemistry thing. That it's either in their blood or it's not. Was it not in Fair. Dan Marino's blood? He never went anywhere in the playoffs. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks that ever lived. You know, I mean, people will tell you I never saw him play, but that Archie Manning was a, a ridiculously good quarterback. He just played on shitty, shitty teams, teams his whole career. Yeah, you know, I just don't buy it that it's this cosmic that, thing that's floating around in the air and it either gets in a guy's asshole or it. I doesn't. think we can I mean, agree with the Kirkland Costco evaluation, but the, yeah, the DNA yeah. thing, I'm kind of with you on that. That that's fair. Like he'll never that's made up. He'll never yeah. be able to do it. By the way, John Elway, and I'm not saying Kirk Cousins is John Elway. 
But John Elway didn't win a Super Bowl until he was uh, yeah. 36, and guess 37 years old. He wasn't old. the best player on the team anymore. Yeah. When he was in his prime, he was losing all the time in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah. They finally gave him a Hall of Fame running back, Terrell Davis, arguably the greatest offensive line of all time, and a really, really good defense. And, yeah, that's when he won his two Super Bowls. And people forget that throughout the 80s, he was the loser guy who lost two Super Bowls in a row and was always getting the shit kicked out of him on a Broncos team that couldn't protect him. Do you got to go or do you? Do I do got to go. Okay. Do you have time for a one one thing about Vikings fandom? I'll make it really quick. I've got a buddy, and I don't know if you feel this the same way, who said he could not enjoy this Viking season as much as he'd like to. 13 wins, a bunch of compelling, thrilling comeback wins, a joyride of an offense. He could not enjoy it as much as he would like to because he got tired of reading and hearing about from the national pundits that the Vikings are frauds, that they're going to flame out. And uh, he just wishes the Vikings could put together a product that uh, that they would be respected. And I said, "Well, that's on you. Yeah, why just he give enjoy a shit? the game. I know, but I guess there are fans out there that are like that. I and, hear what he's saying, but I'm like, why, why do you care? Yeah, it's like the people that are like, and plus, oh, the Joe Buck is against my team. What do you care? First of all, he's not. Right. But second of all, even if he is, what difference does it make? Yeah, it doesn't affect anything. Yeah. Um, I will say, I enjoyed this season a lot. Yeah. Maybe more that like. I knew all along they were frauds. Like yeah. you just, I, you can listen to our podcast. We never were like, this is a Super Bowl team. Yeah. We knew, yeah. um, but it, that made it fun. Like the Vikings were fun to watch every Sunday, Abs- other than the couple, you know, random blowouts that were like, what the fuck was that? This was a fun football season. To, hey, thanks for winning 13 games. Yes. Thanks for giving me a chance to watch a playoff game. You know, I knew they were playing with house money, and I enjoyed it, and it was fun. And that's that's more fun than watching a team go eight and nine. And it would have been an ugly. I think it would have been an ugly loss in San Francisco. So what? Would I would have happily oh, yeah. watched okay. another Vikings game. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, we uh, you know, going back to the content discussion we had at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, hopefully, there will be are, are, just just a tease for next week. Are there are there some interesting storylines for Jackrabbit and Coyote basketball in the Summit League? Yeah. Okay. The Summit League is not very good this year. So okay. Everyone's alive. Okay. On the men's side. All right. Uh, not that we get a lot of feedback and people are complaining or not anyway, but we'll, uh, you know, uh, unfortunately, those the two operations in South Dakota, we were I was kind of excited. Okay, we turned the page from the Jacks win the football national title to, oh, wow, we have State versus you immediately, and then they give us what they give us Double on Saturday. Stickers, yeah. I don't know what to tell you. Uh, there's not, all right. Bye. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. <laughs> you guys need a round of drinks? Uh, yes. Yeah.